Welcome to Twice Over, the podcast about higher education teaching and learning. In this episode, we'll be discussing a role of artificial intelligence in the classroom. As AI becomes more prevalent in our daily lives, it's important to consider how it can be integrated into education in a way that enhances the learning experience. We'll be exploring the potential benefits and challenges of using AI in education and examining some of the current and future applications of this technology in the field. So join us as we delve into the world of AI and education. Because to teach is to learn twice over. Um, I love I love the fancy microphone. It's really the fun. fancy. My Steve has a very <laughs> shiny microphone. It's very fancy, and I have a microphone with a broken cable, so I'm using the microphone that's built into my MacBook Air. So welcome back to the Twice Over podcast. It's just Stan and Steve today, and we thought we wanted to talk about the new chatbot, ChatGPT. And we've been watching TikToks and reading articles in the Atlantic and all over the interwebs, which are, as you know, a series of tubes <laughs> um, about this new chatbot that's been really fun to play with, but also for some people kind of a terrifying development in super readily available artificial intelligence technology. Right. So Steve, can you explain what chat GPT is? I played around with chat GPT today. Actually, it's really easy to sign up for. Just Google it. It's open AI. Start an account. Just, you know, it's typical. Enter your email. It'll send a text, uh, a code to your cell phone. Enter that code and you're, you're off to the races. There are a number of uh, resources, YouTube videos, what is it, how it works. But quite simply, it, it's essentially a question bar. You just type in a question and it will answer that question. For example, I asked it to write a haiku about mountains. The first attempt, it used the word mountains in the haiku. So then I said, okay, write a haiku about mountains, but don't use the word mountains. Nice. So then it wrote this, snow-capped peaks rise, tall and majestic they stand, silent sentinels. Ooh, I've read worse <laughs> poems than that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a good haiku, but it took about, I don't know, seven seconds to produce this. <laughs> In terms of return on investment, that's pretty solid. Probably a better example, Anne, I asked you for your final exam essay. Right. Right. And I took your essay verbatim, copied and pasted it into the question, um, you know, the search engine. The essay prompt, you mean? The essay prompt, your essay prompt. Mm -hmm. And ChatGPT spit out an essay. And I sent you four versions because it took four times. And I kept refining the question because the first response was pretty cursory. You know, first I said, add direct quotations. And I just added one. Then I said, add direct quotations from each of the two sources. 
Then I said, add three quotations each. So the more specific the question, I think, and I don't know, I sent them to you, but I yep. felt the more refined the response. I agree completely. It's kind of stunning to watch. And it was funny because you sent me a screencast of you watching it spit it out. It spits it out so fast and you get absolutely workmanlike kind of Wikipedia level or slightly better paragraphs um, that answer the question. And so, you know, it was comparing Ilya Kaminsky's poetry collection, Deaf Republic, which is about the first invasion of Ukraine, you know, fictionalized poetic narrative about the first invasion of Ukraine in 2013, 2014, with Shakespeare's Richard III. And it was kind of interesting talking about war and disability and piecework. I mean, all the stuff we've been talking about in my class. The transitions were terrible. It was super workmanlike but it was kind of funny and fascinating and amazing to see it spit out the most famous lines from Shakespeare appropriately quoted, you know, in the right context and to see it do it so fast. I mean, that's what I think makes people so afraid of it, right? Is that to get that first pass at a draft of an essay, in a matter of 90 seconds is really overwhelming to those of us who've banged our heads against the wall for years and years and years to write these things. And I think that's what initially had some people freaking out. Like, well, I guess, I mean, I saw people on Twitter saying, I guess we're never assigning papers again. And I think that's the question that prompted us to have this conversation is, is it the case that we can never assign papers again? Or what is our response? Especially those of us who are in disciplines where we teach writing as a way of teaching our students a certain kind of thinking. If there's a readily available open source artificial intelligence bot that can spit out kind of B plus level work what is the why of assigning a paper anymore? That's exactly right. I mean, it it forces us to interrogate why we're assigning it. it it's a kind. You're telling me it's a kind of thinking, but I, I obviously did no thinking at all because I didn't read any of the works you're asking me about in your final exam essay prompt. This machine did it for me. I guess maybe the assignment would be. Okay, you know, I took this question class, I put it into chat GPT, and it gave me this response. How might we improve it? Right. I think that so, in itself would be a fun project to do with students, right? Because it was very, I mean, the, the prose is really workmanlike. Mm -hmm. Every transition is adverbial, not idea-based, right? So the transitions are, by contrast, in this text, instead of actually moving from idea to idea it's just giving you signposts of structure right yeah. that's a pretty simple way to write an essay it's not a terrible way to write but it's not the best i don't i would argue it's not the best way i tried to give it better directions to get it to dig more deeply i felt like if i could have asked it more specific kinds if i could have developed the question better 
it may have been able to do a better job, but I have asked it to write in a number of different ways. So let me just read you something really quickly. This is from a college application. It's from the Common App. What academic areas are you interested in exploring in college? My um, nephew is interested in exploring real estate development. So I said, why are you interested in exploring real estate development in college? And you only get 200 words. So it wrote right. this. I'm interested in exploring real estate development in college because it is a dynamic and constantly evolving field that offers opportunities for creativity, problem solving, and impact. I'm drawn to the challenge of designing and building sustainable and innovative spaces for communities. And I believe that a strong foundation in real estate development will enable me to make a positive contribution to the built environment. Additionally, I'm interested in the business aspects of real estate development, including market analysis, financing, and project management. Overall, I believe that pursuing a degree in real estate development will provide me with the knowledge and skills necessary to succeed in this exciting and rewarding field. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds it's like a pretty me. good 200 words, but I will say that it has a style. Yeah. Right. It, it writes in a, it, it's just probably because I spent a couple of hours playing with it today. I detect like a kind of house style, right? It's Remember giving the, me real Alex Keaton vibes. Remember that character <laughs> from family ties, right? right. There's a kind of yeah. buttoned up propriety to it that makes it sound, you know, it's perfectly fine. Right. I mean, that was, a it's doing exactly word. what you want it to do. Right. right. And so for a 200 word answer on a college common app, one of the supplemental questions, that's basically the answer. Right. You, you don't have a lot of space to do much more than that. Right. But imagine the kid who said instead, my uncle manages a marina. And when I was a kid, I used to help him with the billing. And I noticed, right, that kid knows something about real estate development. And right. that answer is going to be a lot richer than the person, than the bot that spit out sentences that list the five major areas of the master's degree. Yes, that's, that's true. I'm not generally a suspicious reader. And so I just want to say that I can laugh about the flaws in the bot, but I want to affirm what you said before, which is, it's not totally obvious to me that I would have missed that that was written by a bot, what you read, those 200 words. I mean, there, it's a kind of workmanlike 200 words, but I wouldn't necessarily suspect it was written by some, by a bot. Yeah. I mean, when my, you know, when I was deep in college application land, writing these supplemental essays with my, you know, my children, it, it took a lot of time to work through these answers with them and to workshop them together and to think them through. And coming back to what you said before, I may never stare at a blank screen again. I may never start from zero again. I don't have to. Well, and I think what I got excited about what you said about refining the questions. And you sent me a video before we recorded this podcast of you kind of refining my prompt. So I have a prompt and elsewhere in the prompt, it says, you know, make sure you have direct quotations, but the little piece that was the question didn't contain that. So then you added, have direct quotations, and then you added, have 
three direct quotations from each text, right? And so you kept refining it, but actually that process of refining is the beginning of you thinking about what's going to make a good paper. So even without reading either of the texts that you were comparing, you had to know something about the genre of the college paper to do that, right? And so if you think about the real estate development essay, you might think about, well, that sounds a little boring. Um, what if I said 200 words on why I want to study real estate development, including personal experience, right? Or including an anecdote mm -hmm. or including a statement of social impact, right? So you could, and then that's actually getting you further along the way of the work of writing. Yes. Yeah. So theoretically an assignment I could give to my you know, freshman composition class is ask chat GPT to write the best personal essay possible. Right. And <laughs> right. make sure you save the questions that you ask. And so then the students can come in with the question they asked that produced the best essay and their best essay. And then talk about both of those things. Like, how did you generate that good question? Why is this essay version three better than version two? What's different about it? What critical faculties are you bringing to bear to improve this essay? I guess that matters because they're thinking about the writing, but I don't know if they're doing what you mentioned before, which was thinking in writing, right? That's using right. writing to think. They're not doing that. That's right. And that's the thing that I genuinely believe, and I don't have an answer for this yet, that we're going to have to rethink. Because now that artificial intelligence can spit out, I mean, students have been buying papers forever. Most mm -hmm. students don't cheat. It's, it's, it's very rare for students to cheat. But this bot really decreases the friction, right? You don't have to pay any money. You don't have to do anything nefarious. You can just log on. You're you feel a little stuck. You you know, plug the prompt into Chat GPT. It makes cheating super super easy. There's a reason that we, those of us who teach in disciplines that ask students to write papers, there's a reason that we ask students to write the paper, and that has to do with a certain quality of thinking that you can hear, I think, in the way that my voice is slowing down and speeding up as I talk to you, right? There are moments when I have to pause to think through what is the right word, what's the right phrase, what avenue do I want to go down to get at the nugget of why is writing so hard? Why do we think this hard thing matters for the intellectual development of our students? Why is it part of becoming an educated person? Why is writing a paper part of becoming an educated person? And all of those things, I think we're going to need to keep interrogating because the kind of surface level of analysis that artificial intelligence can offer, that kind of paper does seem to me like, like it used to be a pretty, you don't need to ask, you don't need to ask students to spit it out anymore, right? It used to be pretty common that a certain kind of class would ask a identification question on a midterm exam. You know, you'd say, everyone's read Hamlet, and you'd say, okay, in 30 words, tell me who Laertes was and why he was important in the play. 
Well, I mean, that's sort of more like a high school kind of question. You'd still get those questions, I would imagine. Let me give you another sample and tell me what you think of this. So this I took, this is question two on the Common App, right? So it's one of the 10 choices. Um, So this was the question about facing a challenge on the Common, you know, application for college. One time I faced a challenge was when I was in high school and I had to take a difficult math class. I'd always struggled with math and I was really intimidated by the class. I worked hard and studied a lot, but I still struggled to understand the material. At first, I was really upset and frustrated. I felt like I was letting myself and my parents down. But as time went on, I realized that the only way to succeed was to keep trying. I started to attend tutoring sessions and I asked for help from my teacher and classmates. My mom also encouraged me during this time and reminded me that everyone struggles with certain subjects and I should not give up. You are capable of anything you set your mind to, my mom told me. Oh, God. This reminder helped boost my confidence and motivated me to continue pushing through the challenge. Slowly but surely, I started to understand the material better. I put in a lot of hard work and dedication and eventually I passed the class. I learned that sometimes it's okay to struggle and that persistence is key. As Albert Einstein once said, I'm not defeated because I've been defeated, but because I have given up. This quote reminded me that even when things seem tough, I should never give up. I learned that challenges and setbacks are an opportunity to grow and learn. I learned that failure is not the end, but just a part of the journey towards success. Okay, so the question is, was that real or was that written by ChatGPT? ChatGPT. How do you know? There was nothing specific in it. It was completely generic. And it also was totally, you're laughing because you're going to tell me it was, that was like your son's essay. Um, one <laughs> of the things I've been thinking about is, and, and watching other people document, is the biases in ChatGPT and the ways in which the biases in ChatGPT replicate social and cultural biases. And so a red flag for me was the generic mom who is a cheerleader for the kid, right? Mm -hmm. And so what could be more ordinary and normative than having a mom who is by your side, even in a time of struggle, right? That is a very typical fantasy of what moms of teenagers are. Right. And not everyone has that mom, but, you know, that's the most ordinary idea in the world. Yeah, I I think things like slowly but surely failure is not the end, but just a part of the journey. Right. I mean, it's it's not there's something ersatz about it. Right. It's like Taco Bell. Right. It's like that is a taco, but it's like uh, it's not really a taco. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you asked me what that was, I would say taco. But when I eat it, it resembles exactly. It's not like it's not really a taco. It's a taco, I would say. So, but the mom, the mom is what really killed me. I'm going to move a little bit away from the essay to another form of, I guess, creative expression or artistic production. So, my son is a musician. And I asked him about this because I'm wondering, you know, what if ChatGPT could write a song? 
I thought that he'd be appalled by by that notion. Yes. But he used the example of he he doesn't have a drum kit that's fully mic'd. So when he's writing a song and he needs a drum fill, he uses this software that has like it's different names, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna use Maya. I like her drum fills. Maya proposes a drum fill. And then he has like these dials. He could make it more complex, more simple, change the time. You see of, huh. of that of that yeah. piece of music, that one little part of the song. So in a sense, he didn't use the word scaffolding. He looked at it like he was collaborating with this tool. It's a tool. Totally. Right? He said it's convenient. I don't have to, his friend's a drummer. I don't have to reach out to my friend, get him to come to the studio, get a drum kit, set it all up. And he he can use that that drum fill for as a placeholder. And then when he plays the song for his friend drummer, if they're going to perform it live, then that drummer can like mess with it or tweak it. So it's kind of like when I'm going through these versions of this essay that ChatGPT is producing, it's, I'm collaborating with it, right? It's giving me idea. What about this, Steve? Do you like that essay? Let's try this version. And I'm like, hey, why don't you include a quote? And it says, okay, here's a, here it is with a quote. What about like, maybe something that my mom told me that was encouraging during that time in my life? You, you, you know what I mean? I can even give it the quote to include. Here's something yeah, my mother told think, me. You can do anything you set your mind to. Write me a paragraph about what that meant to me. And then your visceral reaction to what's wrong or missing about that paragraph gives you the jumping off point for your own writing and thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess what I'm struggling through toward is to change the stance from cheating to scaffolding or collaborating. So scaffolding, just for our listeners, is a term from the work of Vygotsky, right? The zone of proximal development is a, it's a space between what a student can do and what they can do with some help. So um, scaffolds are the kinds of supports that teachers usually give to students to help them move to kind of the next benchmark in their overall development toward a larger learning goal. So let's say my students have never seen an essay with quotation marks before or don't know how to integrate one. And I want to find examples of essays for students to like critique about a thing that we're reading. I can ask this chat bot to produce it. I can ask it to produce a discussion prompt on my discussion board and have students determine whether does this function as an effective discussion prompt or response post? What makes a good discussion post? Let's talk about that a little bit before we start making them. So there's generalized agreement in our community. So I think in one case, in the case I'm describing, it can provide an object of critique at, at a very basic level. I'm yeah. going to ask you to produce a more advanced response. So let's take a look at this sort of pretty rudimentary, simple response and think about how we might improve it. So everybody take this essay, go into your groups of three and think about three ways you would make this essay better. They do that. You come together as a large group. You share those ways. And from those ways of improvement, 
Maybe you come up with a checklist that students can apply to their own work before they submit it so that I don't have to do the work of reminding everyone, well, you need to do this, you need to do, you didn't do that, you didn't do this. I've got them to maybe like second base. Yes. Right. Does that make sense to you? I'm not a writing teacher, so I don't it know. It makes complete sense to me. And one of the things I'm thinking about with the papers is maybe there's a stage in writing the paper where the student has to explain why they chose this quotation, right? So you have chat GPT pick the quotes and you say, is this the best quotation to use to illustrate this point? What would be an alternative quotation? So what do you want? You want students to have some facility with the text. You want them to be choosing a quote among, not because it's the only quote they know, right? The quotes, it was very funny and fun and satisfying to read the Richard III paper because it, it goes for a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. Now is the winner of our discontent. You know, I mean, it goes- The greatest hits, the, yeah. It's like- Greatest yeah, yeah. hits, right? <laughs> but the strongest writers- pick secondary and tertiary quotes that surprise us, right? And chat GPT isn't doing that yet. And so that would be like a next level thing. And that's in fact a trick that I often talk to my students about, right? I mean, it's an intellectual trick that people use all the time so that they'll, you know, talk to us about plays within plays in Shakespeare. Well, Hamlet, the obvious place to go. But if you can talk about plays within plays in Shakespeare and talk about Cymbeline, you gain yourself a little purchase. You get a little cred. It sounds like you know more than maybe you know because you haven't grabbed for the low-hanging fruit. You haven't picked the most obvious, the chestnuts, right? And so... But you have to know something about Shakespeare to even know the title Cymbeline. So what are we trying to measure? We're trying to measure kind of depth of thinking. We're trying to measure breadth of thinking. We're trying to measure facility, the ability to kind of scramble, remix ideas. All of these things are things that writers do, that good writers do, and that good creators do, right? Whether you're writing a song or a paper for class. Chat GPT is really, really funny. And there've been some funny examples of parodies. There was an example in the Atlantic article about in the style of the King James Bible, explain how to get a peanut butter sandwich out of a VCR. You know, so it can, it can do that kind of jokey newspaper column parody writing pretty well because it's so dependent on convention. Right. So it's never going to come up with Ulysses, but it can parody Ulysses. Recently, I was in Philadelphia and I went to the Matisse exhibit. It was really interesting. And there's a lot of information there about Matisse. Yeah. There's no more audio tour, but, but the, you know, the docent had done a really good job with like the placards and provided a lot of written context and revealed that Matisse was a, you know, a problematic individual. And that helped me look at his art in, in a really different way. What he was doing with these, you know, this this artistic creation of his um, obsessively and repeatedly over and over. Okay. And that the people that he was using as the grist for his talent 
were people, were just that, they were people, right? That he posed, he selected, he nurtured or exploited um, to be his subjects. But if a chat bot or some other AI makes a visual image, there's nothing to analyze. There's no there there. There is no creator in the sense that wrote Easter 1916 or something. There's no, it doesn't mean anything because- can't say despite his unhappy marriage or despite his lack of support for the revolution, he, this painting of the worker continues to move us, right? Because there is no, despite the artificial intelligence bot is completely dependent on what we feed into it. And because the programmers have continued to be pretty biased in the kind of material they print, they put in, it didn't take very long for me to stump it. So I asked it to tell me about the history of stream of consciousness technique with an emphasis on the novelist May Sinclair, who mm -hmm. is the first person to use the phrase in relation to fiction, right? So it's William James's phrase, but the novelist May Sinclair used it first in fiction. That's something that I've written about. That's something that's widely known in the mild, in the small circle of people who work on the history of stream of consciousness technique, but chat GPT doesn't know it yet partly because it's a woman writer, right? Yeah. So it doesn't take long to stump this thing. That's interesting. What was really surprising to me was that my, um, my, my son, as an artist, was not at all concerned about any of the production of... It, it, it was untroubled that a person would be replaced, a creative person would be replaced by a chat bot, or that yeah. it's not real art. I, I guess he doesn't see it. I'm not an artist, so I don't know what, how or what artists think about, but he seemed entirely untroubled by this. He's like, that, that's not, that's not how you make art. It's always, as soon as you're, you're interacting with this technology, right? We're, we're doing something. We're playing with this chat bot. I asked it to do this thing that that was a creative question your question, you asked it, right? I mean, I'm not sure if it's that black and white. I have a couple questions okay. for you. One is, what is this for, ChatGPT? Like the only application that I can seem to be able to see is cheating on a college paper, right? But that's not why this was developed. So what's the, what's the interesting use case for a chatbot? I think it's a Mount Everest type thing, you know. Is that it? It's just I, I I guess at this point, sometimes we make things and we don't know we don't know why we're doing it. Right. Just just can we? It's a challenge. Can we get a I think it would have a lot, a lot of utility. Hey, send an email telling them I'm gonna be late tomorrow. Or Write me a press release about blah, 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 or write me a haiku about a mountain for homework. Right. Certain customer service applications, certainly like, I mean, we interact with AI all the time now when we get online for customer service type issues, right? There's I also think it could be more about, it. It's, it's in its, you know, embryonic form almost, yeah. at least I'm sure there are 
um, more simple versions of it, but for now in it, in this particular release, but in a year or two, first of all, it can work in code. So it be, we can begin to use the AI to improve itself. Right. Um, and so that because of the efficiency might lead to real rapid developments. Everyone asking it questions all over the world is, is improving its data set and it'll, it'll be able to analyze its own performance. I'm surprised there's no rating. How would you rate this response? But maybe they must have other ways of, of, of gathering that data. I've gotten but there it, before. I've gotten mm -hmm. to how would you rate this response? There is a rating somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. So I guess I, I could even, you know, put in a, ask it to write a cover letter. Here's my resume, here's the job posting. Can you write a cover letter for me? It can't do that now, but right. eventually it might be able to do that, right? Eventually it might be able to produce, you know, a, a college level response to, to your final exam essay question that would be indistinguishable from what a student would produce. We're not there now, clearly, but even so, if, if I were, you know, when I was teaching high school, admittedly it's. 25 years ago and I'd gotten one of those essays I think that was a good first shot right you could really make this into something a lot of the writing that we do is not about thinking right it's about communication it's very utilitarian yeah, they're and telegrams so, right we're sending telegrams all day and getting them back right and so you might just say apologize for the fact that I can't, that I'm, you know, I can't deliver the presentation until next week. And, you know, might bang out an apology letter to your boss that would be that you could tweak and something that you'd been agonizing over would be off of your plate, right? Or write the man, write the user manual for this computer program. And you could start at the revision moment rather than starting at the drafting moment. So I guess I can imagine that. I mean, it's a chat bot, so it's meant to kind of keep you company, right? There was that man who resigned from AI development because he became convinced that the bot had a soul. Do you remember that story back earlier this fall? Where he, no, I, I don't. I didn't hear this. He got super, super upset because he kind of developed a relationship with this bot and was asking it about what it does when no one's talking to it and where it goes. And, you know, it's kind of, and the bot kind of said, well, you know, I'm in a meaningless void unless you talk to me and I, otherwise I don't exist. And he got kind of cathected onto the bot and thought the bot seemed sad and became persuaded that the bot had a consciousness. And it was a very, very strange story that I don't fully understand because I don't I can't tell if the guy cracked up or if right. he was really we have a tendency to anthropomorphize right we're going to think that there's some agency there I mean I guess the the end is that we can't we can't I mean a, a, I don't know this is more philosophical right at a certain point I can only ask it a question and hope it answers. I can't demand it. No. <laughs> because it's now it's a person of a sort, so it has its own rights. Maybe I, I don't know how that works. But I think in our context as teachers, right, we're always thinking about 
we want the students to move away from writing or calculating or responding to us or each other simply because they're following orders. I think we also, maybe as artists, maybe they want, maybe because I'm not an artist, I don't understand the feeling of making art. And so to an artist, maybe that's important. The way my son looks at this music program as just another person to collaborate with person in quotation marks totally. right another another tool and so maybe we're moving away from an ends-based approach to a more process-oriented one you're writing as thinking right tell me what you were thinking about when you wrote this essay why did yeah. you write that yeah i mean because that's what we do when we suspect when i when i suspect someone of plagiarizing that's how i determine whether or not they've plagiarized that's one of the tests right if i suspect someone of plagiarizing and i haven't found the source right which is the the gold standard the thing that i do is tell me a little bit about how you got this idea i think back to multiple choice exams which yep. were popular because of their efficiency right? I could, high school teacher, I'm teaching math or whatever, any subject. I have 170 students. I can't, I, I need some efficient way to, to assess their understanding. So I, I just, they fill out the Scantron. I slide it through the machine. I get grades out. It's a miracle, right? We've, we've come to realize that that's problematic. We're privileging efficiency over really a deep understanding of the learning process and what students are struggling with to apprehend the material or acquire the competencies. So we move to other kinds of what we would call more authentic assessments. So let's say now that ChatGPT makes the five paragraph essay obsolete. It's, 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 the, it's the 2022 version of the multiple choice exam. That's so right. Yes. And so then we need some, we have to, again, interrogate our assessment practices now, right? So I was reading Robert Talbert's blog this morning about, and he's advocating for moving your semester from a 15 week, 15 weeks of content to 12. That is to say, compress the amount of new material you offer students and use week, the first week and the last two weeks for other things. So the first week is for orientation and community building. And the last two weeks are for catch up, work on final projects, deepening your learning, all of that stuff. And I completely agree. And I've pretty much gotten there on my own, but it was, I was very interested to read that he, he has arrived separately and with a lot more clarity and articulation at the same conclusion I've arrived at, which is the last two weeks of the semester are really for not for introducing new material, but for working on final projects. And he says, you may object. And if you object and you say, I can't possibly let go of the last two weeks of material for my course, ask yourself the five whys, right? So the five whys is this technique where you just ask why five times in a row. So I assign papers so that my students can learn how to think. Why does assigning a paper help your student learn how to think? 
and then you answer it and you say, because putting things into words requires a certain amount of precision. Why does the written word uh, entail more precision than the spoken word? So that's the second why. And so you keep asking why five times in a row. And the theory is that you get down to a nugget of the purpose of the assignment. And so if ChatGPT is the Scantron of 2022, and if it means that we're gonna change our assessment practices, then I think we need to dig down to the five whys of what the paper was doing, right? And my first hypothesis is there's a version of the paper that I think is now obsolete that's the identification and description only paper. This gives us a plot summary and not any analysis and no connection. And that kind of paper that just says, you know, that just, just describes is obsolete. So we have to come up with prompts that are doing something more, whatever that something more might be. Yeah, so that maybe that's the challenge identifying that something more. Why, why am I doing what I'm doing? How do I know I'm doing it? What makes me think it's valuable? I mean, I'm a little intimidated by this chatbot. I wish I were as sanguine as your son, but I think I'm more like him in my response than I am just terrified and, oh my God, the paper's obsolete and there's nothing we can do anymore. Because I don't, I, I still believe in learning. And the, the chat bot isn't learning. The chat bot can get smarter. We can program it. We can feed new information into it. But that doesn't transform me. The transformation that happens to me in my interaction with the chat bot is my recognition of what the chat bot doesn't yet know. And in recognizing what the chatbot doesn't yet know, I'm reminded of, or I learn something about my own values. I think how we receive this chatbot has a lot to do with how technology most recently has been so disruptive and not in a positive way that disruption was originally viewed. Facebook, Twitter, Uber, Airbnb, these certainly have been disruptive, but an argument could be made that those disruptions have not been positive. And so here we have this new tool, the, the next big thing. The initial response could be similar to, you know, these kids today and their phones, right? It could be just, <laughs> you know, we don't like the new, it's threatening to us, but also perhaps we have reasons to be wary right? The people who are designing these tools, you know, they didn't major in the humanities. I don't know what the end game is. Um, you asked that earlier, what's it for? It's to make money. That's what it's for, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's, yeah. I mean, what's anything for? I mean, we've talked about this before when I mentioned the anecdote of my son in high school telling me, I need a 67 on the chemistry final and then I get an A. <laughs> right, right. Right. Anything above a 67 is a waste of time. So we talk about gamification of schooling. That that's to me, that's what it is. It's not real. It's a game. 
So I feel like when students perceive their learning as simply following orders, if they're not deeply engaged with their learning, then they're simply just competing tasks. And so it doesn't really make a difference where this essay comes from. The essay is for you, my teacher. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm not interested in this essay. I'm not interested in the question. I'm not interested in the book you asked me to read to produce the essay. All I know is that you want this essay. In this context, in a strange way, I work for you. I give you essay, you give me grade. Here's an essay. And at scale with a hundred and something students or you know, some universities, 400 students sitting there, graduate, graduate students are grading this thing. Who cares ultimately? Like who's deeply committed to me producing this essay and having a transformational learning experience? So once we've moved into an industrialized model of education, it becomes harder to argue against using industrial tools to produce educational artifacts. I am a learner in an industrialized context, but you want me to function as an artisan. And yet my experience of learning is not at all artisanal. I love that. And that's really interesting. And I think that there's a lot more that we could think about in terms of what parts of learning are scalable and what aren't, what need to be artisanal and what, what needs to be artisanal and what doesn't. How do we help our students understand the times when tools are going to be helpful to them for scaffolding their better learning and the times at which the tool is actually shortcutting or a cheat for them, right? I mean, I could stand in front of one of those mirrors that's a gym and wave flags and make it think that I'm exercising, right? I mean, I could put my Fitbit in a blender, say, and make the Fitbit think that I'm moving around and doing jumping jacks when really I'm just um, drinking a glass of wine. But I'm not getting any stronger. It's not helping my heart health. So are you telling me by having chat GPT do my homework, I'm not cheating you and <laughs> I'm cheating myself. Is that is that right? <laughs> I know. I know. I knew we were going to get there eventually. I knew we were going to get there eventually. I was really trying not to be the one to say that. I think that is what we're saying. Steve, you're just cheating yourself. <laughs> you're, you've missed out on this valuable and transformational opportunity to write a five paragraph essay about your summer vacation. <laughs> Is there anything more that we, about this topic that we haven't flogged at this point? No, I, I think that basically, that basically covers it. I'm not sure if we've reassured anyone out there who's concerned about you know, AI and cheating and the future of art and, and literary production. I don't but think, I think it's a reassuring story. I think everyone who's teaching should take a look at this. I think that's really something that we should we should know. We should we something's on the horizon that's going to have a profound impact on what we do. And I think as teachers, we need to really begin to play and and wrestle with this tool and think through how we will integrate it into our practice because it will be 
an involuntary kind of integration. That's right. And so we need to know not only that it exists, but we need to play around with it to know what its limitations are, what its possibilities are, to anticipate that it will only get better and it's going to get better really fast. And to use that to think about what are the learning goals we have with our students? What do we want our students to be able to do? Why do we want them to be able to do it? Why does it matter mm-hmm. to articulate that to them? And it, it probably means that we're ch- we're changing some of our assignments, that we're rethinking some of the things we ask our students to do to show us that they've mastered the material or that they've engaged with it in the way that's meaningful according to our context, right? I mean, at a certain point, the AI will produce the essay and the AI will give feedback on the essay. And you and me and all the students can just like watch Netflix. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Twice Over. We hope you enjoyed the show and found value in the content we shared. We're grateful for your support and for being a part of our community. Don't forget to tune in next week for a new episode. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Thanks again for listening.